My name is Stephen Harrison. I'm a hepatologist and gastroenterologist visiting professor of hepatology at the Radcliffe Department of Medicine, University of Oxford in the UK. And I'm here today to talk about a recent presentation I gave on beta-colic acid at the American College of Gastroenterology meeting in San Antonio, Texas. What I want to just briefly go over with you is the trial and, and some of the nuances related to, to the trial. But first off, let me just briefly touch on NASH. Non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, or NASH, is a huge unmet need in, in the U.S. and around the world. The prevalence of this disease is growing rapidly. In fact, recent data suggests that in middle-aged Americans, the prevalence of fatty liver is about 35%, and the prevalence of NASH is about 15%. We know that NASH is projected to soon become the leading indication for liver transplantation. And we know also that fibrosis stage is the strongest predictor of adverse events and adverse clinical outcomes in patients with NASH. And to that end, we have no proven therapy to treat this liver disease. A beta-colic acid is a potent FXR agonist that's been shown to improve NASH through multiple mechanisms and preclinical models including a direct uh, antifibrotic effect in the liver. And from the phase 2B Flint study, 72 weeks of treatment with a beta-colic acid at the 25 milligram dose improved fibrosis and other features of NASH. And so based on this large unmet need and the Flint results, a beta-colic acid was designed or designated as a breakthrough therapy by the FDA for the treatment of NASH patients with liver disease. And this prompted the the generation of the REGENERATE trial. And so basically this is a study that enrolled approximately 2,400 patients in a one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one randomization scheme. Patients were given placebo, 10 milligram of a beta-colic acid or 25 milligram of a beta-colic acid. And liver biopsies were required to enter the study. The patients had to have biopsy-confirmed NASH with fibrosis stage two or three fibrosis. There was an exploratory cohort with fibrosis stage one and concomitant risk factors that included type two diabetes, obesity, or ALT that was greater than 1.5 times the upper limit of normal. They had to have a NAPLD activity score of four or more. And ultimately what I presented was the 18 month interim analysis. So let me just tell you about that briefly. So the way the FDA has designated drug development in NASH is that you can get conditional approval for your drug if it reaches a what we call a subpart H endpoint. And that is the endpoint that they needed to reach in this trial was either fibrosis improvement by greater than or equal to one stage with no worsening of NASH or NASH resolution with no worsening of fibrosis. Study success was defined as achievement of one of these two primary endpoints. So that was done on repeat liver biopsy at month 18. Doesn't mean the study's over. In fact, there's another liver biopsy that will be done at month 48. And the idea is to continue the trial until a certain amount of predefined end of study events or clinical outcomes is reached. So what I'm presenting to you today is that 18 month interim analysis data. Now, a quick overview for those that weren't there. The study cohorts were evenly divided 
I would say that about 60% of the population was female. About 50 to 60% of patients had F3 disease, and about 55% of them evenly distributed across the groups had diabetes, and about 40 to 45% of them were on statin therapy. Let's move quickly into the primary endpoint. This was achieved by intent-to-treat analysis, and there's a nice dose-response relationship for fibrosis improvement by greater than or equal to one stage with no worsening of NASH. The placebo group had a response rate of 11.9%. The 10-milligram group had a response rate of 17.6%, and the OCA 25-milligram group had a response rate of 23.1%, and this was highly significant with the 25 milligram group relative to placebo. When we look at regression or progression of fibrosis stage greater than or equal to one stage, this is uh, a shift plot, if you will. In the OCA 25 milligram group, significantly more patients not only improved fibrosis, but also had less worsening of fibrosis compared to placebo. In fact, in the placebo group, about 20 1% of patients worsen disease, and about 23% of patients improve their fibrosis, consistent with prior phase two studies looking at fibrosis movement in the placebo group. Now, when we look at the primary endpoint of NASH resolution with no worsening of fibrosis, the drug did not reach its primary endpoint. And this is an interesting thing because we define NASH resolution as on repeat liver biopsy, ballooning scores of zero and inflammation scores of zero or one. But when you look at it that way, while there was no statistical significance compared with placebo, when you ask the pathologist to just tell you, is NASH present or not present, by a pattern recognition, not by adding up individual components of, that we think are important in NASH, it did reach highly significant uh, improvement. In fact, it was 23.1% in the 25 milligram group compared to 12% in placebo, and the p-value there was 0.0004. So I think that speaks up to a bigger picture in this disease state, and that pathologists are really good at looking at patterns. We are, we're really good at, at, as clinicians at looking at patterns. But when we ask to break it down into component parts, we see a dichotomy there in, in how the biopsies are read. I think that just speaks to the entire field as something that we need to uh, continue to work on. When we look at the NASH-related histologic secondary endpoints, there was improvement in the NAFLD activity score by at least two points with no worsening of fibrosis. Again, significant differences between the 25 milligram group and placebo, it was 36.4% of patients in the 25 milligram arm had improvement in the NAFLD activity score by at least two points with no worsening of fibrosis compared to 24.4% in placebo. And when you break down the component parts and you begin to look at what improved, we see significant improvements in both ballooning and lobular inflammation with no real change in steatosis. Now let's pivot away quickly to the biochemical uh, changes. We see significant dose response changes with ALT, AST, and GGT. Uh, interestingly, alkaline phosphatase went up a little bit in a dose response relationship, and there's some very uh, 
practical reasons why this occurred. I don't have time to get into that today. Shifting gears to side effect profiles, the most frequent treatment emergent adverse events, obviously a pruritus, this is a class effect. We see this with the entire FXR field. LDL also was increased relative to placebo. Most frequent treatment emergent adverse events were mild to moderate in severity and consistent with the known profile of beta-cola acid. The frequency of SAEs were similar across treatment groups and no single SAE occurred in more than 1% of patients in any treatment arm. Specifically looking at pruritus, the incidence was highest in the first three months and decreased thereafter. In patients on obetacolic acid 25 milligram reporting pruritus, 93% of those were mild to moderate, and ultimately 9% of patients on OCA 25 discontinued due to pruritus more than half of those were protocol mandated and overall discontinuation rates were similar across the treatment arms. As far as hepatobiliary goes, hepatic treatment emergent adverse events were balanced across treatment groups uh, and hepatic SAEs were rare, less than 1% in all treatment groups. More common in the OCA 25 milligram group with no pattern attributable to OCA. The incidence of cholelithiasis or cholecystitis adverse events were low. And with cardiovascular disease, the incidence of cardiovascular SAEs was low and balanced across groups. And so in summary, uh, OCA 25 milligram met the primary endpoint at month 18 interim analysis. The antifibrotic defect was dose dependent and consistent across endpoints and key subgroups. Although the primary NASH resolution endpoint was not met, OCA ameliorated steatohepatitis based on the pathologist's overall pattern recognition assessment and improvement in key disease activity parameters to include ballooning degeneration and lobular inflammation. OCA rapidly and sustainably improved ALT, AST, and GGT. Adverse events were mild to moderate, with the most common being consistent with a known profile of FXRs and abetacolic acid. The study is now ongoing to confirm the benefit on clinical outcomes. So that's the review of what I presented, and I wanted to uh, make sure that we hit those highlights for this podcast. Thank you for listening today.